Senator Nina Turner, thank you for joining us today on the podcast and due diligence. Thank you for being willing to speak to the people of Cleveland Heights, University Heights. Uh, this, part, this podcast is sponsored by the Heights Observer. Yeah. Uh, the new paper of record now as journalism continues to... Uh, to be community supported, the Heights Observer is fully community supported newspaper, and uh, got a lot of former uh, journalists living in Cleveland Heights, luckily willing to put in the time. So uh, we're here and um, and happy to have you. Uh, Thanks for having. How me. would you uh, how would you uh, assess things right now with two weeks to go? I don't think a lot of people in Cleveland Heights are going to put this out asap. Are yeah. surprised? Are going to be surprised to hear this is two weeks two out. Two weeks. I mean, I started this particular part of my political journey or public service journey on December the 15th and I cannot believe that we're at the two-week mark right now and I know that you can't uh, you can't say that this is it but for all intents and purposes in the next two weeks we're we're likely gonna decide who's gonna be our next representative right so people need to have a sense of urgency there is no second chance in November to vote at least for a Democrat no, that's exactly right. And we know that the Democratic index in this particular district is really, really high. And no, we're not going to, you know, I ran for Secretary of State in 2014. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because even though the Democratic index is high, we need people to come out and vote in November, too. And we got to respect November as well, even though the likelihood that the Democrat who wins this primary is more likely than not, like nine out of 10 times <laughs> going to the Congress. But we must respect uh, the general election. So I want people to vote. How are you feeling about the state of things right now? I think there's a lot of people uh, out there who claim they don't like negative ads, but I think that at the same time, I had to talk with my mother-in-law this morning and she was like, I don't know about Nina Turner. I don't know. And I was so, you got people who are, it is having, unfortunately, I think a negative effect on some people. How do you approach dealing with those? And what would you say to the people of Cleveland Heights about those negative ads? Well, the first thing I'm gonna do is get my cell phone. We gonna get your mama. <laughs> Mom on the line. <laughs> so she can hear from me firsthand. Her name's Sandy. You know, she's a lovely woman. Sandy. But she's yeah, a, you I know. Need, I need to say that. I'm going to call you, babe. I'm going to call you, Sandy. We need to talk. You know, uh, seriously. Yeah, seriously. What you say? I am serious. I would like to talk to Sandy okay. and make my case because okay. I want her vote. Okay. It is important. You know, yeah, negative ads have an impact, even though people, you're right, say that they don't like them. It is unfortunate. Out of 13 candidates, at least in the Democratic primary, there's only one candidate that started the negative ads, and that is my number one opponent. So I do want the voters of Cleveland Heights to understand that, that I have been running a very issue or we have been running a very issue-oriented campaign from, you know, doing a biograph. My first commercial was biographical in nature, just to reintroduce people to me and my journey and what I stand for. We've done one about, you know, uh, equal, equal pay for equal work, Social Security, Medicare for all. So this is how my campaign, Adam, started. My number one competitor, I want your mom to know and every other resident in Cleveland Heights and 11th Congressional District to know that my number one competitor started off her first commercial attacking me. And then the attacks just started to escalate. She invited Dark Money to come in here, and this is what you got. So yeah, I, I know your mother, but I want your mother to be confident that, that Sister Turner is here to serve and I want her to ignore those negative ads. Yeah, the, the dark money is the thing probably that should be most upsetting to people, right? Yes. Like, uh, this is unaccountable millions coming right. into this race at this stage of the race, right? I, I, um, what can we do moving forward to combat that? And uh, I mean, it's an, it's an uphill battle. I know. I'm so glad you asked that question. I, I think even beyond this race, I, don't, I want people to kind of put aside who they're supporting for now 
and think about the strength or lack thereof, either the strength or the vulnerability of democracy from a bigger lens. We have to do something about Citizens United. You know that the court said that, you know, basically the more money you got, the more speech you got, that we, we got to do something about that because it is very important. It's not the individual. It is, like you said, having that big unaccountable money and people can hide behind it. Wealthy people can give a lot of money and they don't have to reveal who they are. And that is the problem. So now who gets to hold them accountable? There was a red box on my number one uh, competitor's website inviting the dark money groups to come in. So I do want the voters to know that only candidate out of 13 of us who actually did that. But largely, we need campaign finance reform to give you a direct answer to what are we going to do. But in the short term, one of the things that candidates can do, and I'm doing it, is to raise money in small dollar grassroots donations. Our average donation is $27. Now, yes, we got people who give a little more and we got people who give a little less, but I'm putting it into practice in real time. And we raised $4.8 million that way from every state in the United States of America, District of Columbia, and 85% of our donations from this great state are coming from people who live, work, and play in the 11th Congressional District. All that big pharma money you're taking, Mom, though, right? Mom, you hear that? <laughs> so what about the big pharma money, right? You're no, taking just no, pushing it up? That's, no, that's, 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 not, that's, not interested my, in that's you? my competition. They're not no, interested in They're you? not interested in me, yeah. but they are interested in her. Um, it's. I find it funny when talking to, um, especially more, you know, uh, Cleveland Heights in a lot of ways is, is, is heavily Democratic, but maybe not as progressive traditionally. Sure. Um, but then when you tell people about specific issues, what do they say? Oh, I'm for that, I'm for that, I'm for that, right? So how does that, how do you talk to people that, that, um, that can't quite put those two things together? Yeah, I don't always, so yeah, I am labeled as a progressive and I'm a proud progressive. I call what I'm doing just working for justice for all, life, liberty, and everybody's pursuit of, of happiness. But when I'm talking to people, just as I did when I ran for Secretary of State, and I bring that up again because that forced me to travel the state and really get to know people in other communities that but for running for statewide office I would have never been able to do. And so to talk to people just about the issue and not to put the label on it. You know, anybody in your family lost their job? Are you uninsured or underinsured? Are you making a living wage? How's the communities is safe? You know, when you talk about it in those terms, then people really start to respond. And I think we have to do more of that. The labels are inside the bubble stuff. But when you talk to people about their quality of life, they really, they really understand that. So you're right about that. Most Americans agree with where progressives are, both Democrat and Republican. Remember when, when they did a poll, a survey about uh, the Florida, we got sound effects in there. I know, right. It's all cut, yep. um, Remember, you may remember when they, when, when Obamacare, you know, so, but when Republicans labeled it Obamacare and they took the surveys and the polls, some of our Republican sisters and brothers, family and friends didn't like it. But when they said it was the Affordable Care Act. Right. Oh yeah, we're all for it. They're all for it. Right. So that's kind of, that might not be the best example, but all I'm saying is that, and sometimes instead of the label, we got to get down to the root of it. Right. Quality of life. So in, uh, in Cleveland Heights, we have a, uh, a long history of proud Cleveland Heights high school graduates. Uh, you went to JFK, right? So you probably get sick of hearing Cleveland Heights people sometimes talk about how proud they are. No, Cleveland Heights. Heights Shaker Heights proud. alums are proud. We're yes, all proud on the east side. We've all got our schools are proud of. Yeah. So the last couple of years, uh, I'm actually on the lay finance committee in Cleveland Heights for the schools. And yes. we've had a lot of financial difficulties caused by vouchers 
uh, at the uh, the state level, they've sort of took the, what the Cleveland plan was sort of meant to be and have sort of turned it into a different beast, right? So how do you look at where things have gone and how can we fix it? I would say it was that way before the Cleveland plan. The Cleveland plan was very narrowly focused. As you know, the city of Cleveland is the only school district controlled by the mayor. One of the reasons why the Cleveland plan, and, and at the end, let me get to that. At the end of that plan, you know, legislation doesn't usually end the way that it starts. The Cleveland Teachers Union signed off on it. I was, I'm old enough to remember them being in the red room side by side with me, the mayor, and Governor Kasich. So, however, we need to increase Title I funding. Straight to your Double. answer. We have a problem in the state of Ohio. We remember DeRoff. Some of us are old enough to remember DeRoff. Mm -hmm. And the, the Ohio Supreme Court was very clear that the way we fund education in the state of Ohio is unconstitutional. We still need to fix DeRoff. So between in increasing federal funding and really taking care of, of DeRoff, answering DeRoff, those are two ways. We must hold uh, voucher schools, charter schools, all of those kinds of schools accountable. And one of the mechanisms that was in the Cleveland plan because of the explosion of charter schools in the state, you're right, Republicans took an experiment that I believe started under President Clinton. Mm -hmm. The charter experiment started under a Democrat. It was meant to be an experiment and scaled up the things that work. And yes, Republicans took that and manipulated it in places like our home state and other mm -hmm. parts of the country. Within the Cleveland plan, there was a commission or a committee, I, don't, I think they call it a commission, put together whereby charters could not come into the city of Cleveland without going before that commission hmm. that has community leaders on it, business leaders. I would like to see something like that done so that you can keep out the bad. And there are some partnerships uh, in the city of Cleveland with some Sure. No, I would never say yeah. that all charters are bad. And, and but we need more federal funding. Right. We need to hold people accountable. I'm not for all this testing, testing, testing. Adam, I don't know if you know, I taught at Cuyahoga Community College. I did know that. And I taught post-secondary uh, post education students. Those were the students who were working on their high school diploma and also their college degree at the same time. And I took great pride. I actually signed up for those assignments because I wanted to be able not to just teach those students history, but also, you know, teach them about life. I mean, I just took a mama's pride mm -hmm. for being able to teach high school students in college. So when I look at Ohio, I look at the next five or 10 years. I look at Ohio, I look at Georgia, and I think, oh, like, what do we have to do to be the next Georgia, right? Like, uh, I'm a Democrat. I'm sorry. You Republicans, I know you exist in Cleveland Heights. I vote Democrat, generally. Uh, so we win some of them over. Yes. I, you know, there's certainly some issues where I think there's some yeah. agreement. Um, and you have a history of working uh, with Republicans with uh, to some Casey. degree, which seems like a total crazy concept. For to, how, do you, how do you do that? What magic do you work to Because I am a bridge builder, contrary oh, okay. to what some people are putting out there. No, you know what, when it comes down to sitting, I mean, I'll sit across the table from anybody if we're going to come to an agreement of what justice looks like. And it's funny, Adam, you would ask me that because just today when I was on CNN, Governor Kasich was on too. And we were talking about the infrastructure plan and we even found some commonality even in talking about that plan. Now, there were things that we disagreed on, but we talked about what we had in common. And he actually brought up the fact of the work that we did when he signed that executive order for community and police uh, creating a task force for community and police relations. You remember in the latter part of 2014, there were a lot of police-related shootings. We know that a, a, a little boy was shot, you know, on, mm -hmm. on a playground and um, just lifting up his mother for keeping that fight going because the Trump Justice Department really let down uh, Miss, Miss Rice and her family and she's fighting to get justice for her son. 
But I went to the governor then and I said, Governor, I'm coming to you as a black mama. People are hurting. A little boy was just shot on the playground. We gotta do something. And Adam, I will tell you, as much as the governor and I butted heads on most policies, he didn't hesitate. He said, come see me. And I did, and I had some other legislators, you know, we, we he created a, a task force that had legislators on there, it had business community, faith leaders, civic community leaders, and he made yours truly a co-chair with his director of public safety. So a long story less long, when it's really time to get down to justice and matters of the heart, I believe more of us can come together and do a great work. And for the first time in Ohio's history, we had standards for law enforcement agencies. Now, I was talking to the mayor of, um, of Maple Heights on the podcast, Annette Blackwell, who I know she's not necessarily uh, uh, voting for you, but she said, yeah, uh, she's, but she did say that, um, you know, it's a new era in terms of police being willing to even consider their practices, right? Like, yeah. and so there's some positive energy, at least in that area, and uh, just have to take advantage of it, right? We do, in law enforcement, I'm glad you brought that up. Law enforcement, we had a sheriff and a chief and a frontline officer on the task force too. Mm. So we wouldn't have been able to get consensus and to get things done without bringing all of the stakeholders. We had younger people too, you know, they were represented as well. So we had to do more of that, Adam. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Stephen Covey, a, a world-renowned leadership guru, he once said, seek first to understand and then to be understood. And I think if we could just start right there, we could get so much more done. Uh, you've got uh, Cleveland Heights is electing a mayor for the first time in its yes, history uh, this fall, and that. so uh, I think. How are you feeling about that? Uh, I'm excited. I was for it. Uh, I think it's I, as much as I liked our city manager in Cleveland Heights. Um, uh, I don't think that she had enough power, and I wish that uh, Tanisha Bradley would have stayed on and run. I don't know if you ever met Tanisha yeah. Bradley or not, but yeah, um, she. Um, that's part of it. But you were a local Cleveland politician. I, yeah. She should have met you, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so our hope is that whoever of the four candidates that gets elected will at least have access, right? Can you tell us how that relationship works with a mayor and a congressperson and how that relationship works? Oh, most definitely. And I like the strong mayor form of government. I worked for a mayor. I worked for Mayor Michael R. White. I was in his cabinet. I've done a lot of work with, you know, the current Cleveland uh, mayor, Mayor Jackson. And then when I was a state senator, you know, I had greater Cleveland. Half of my Senate district is the, or let me say, my the Senate district that I represented is half of the 11th congressional district. And so I built very strong relationships with the mayors. We only can do this together. And I would like to say that everything that I learned, needed to know about politics happened when I was on the local level of government. Mm -hmm. In other words, I understand that the government closest to the people matters the most. I advocated as a state senator for those local government funds. I talked to mayors on a regular basis, was was hot about you know my Republican colleagues cutting local government funds because that is important for how we can get things done. So I am going to meet with mayors and city council members on a regular basis on top of meeting with just frontline community members, when I was on Cleveland City Council, I had this thing called Talks with Turner, because the, the the ward was small enough, or excuse me, Walks with Turner, that I would walk with community people. When I became a state senator and my territory increased, I turned it into Talks with Turner, and I would strategically travel throughout the district to local, whether it was the library or community center, where I'm coming to the people. We're gonna continue doing things just like that and working and having regular meetings with the mayor with the mayors and others because I can't go I gotta know what the vibe is on the ground to be able to be a fierce advocate in the Congress for our community so anything you'd like to say about did you talk to Cleveland Heights University Heights especially uh, as we wrap up here what um, 
And then you've got Janine Boyd, you've got Cheryl Stevens on your side, you've got Michael Dillon Brennan on your side. I think that they're all uh, generally respected figures in the Heights. Yeah. Why do you think that, what, what else do you know about the Heights, I guess, I'd ask you Well, too. the ultimate endorsement, I mean, I, I did a lot of uh, community work, you know, in, in the Heights area when I was, uh, you know, a, a state senator. What I would say is that, you know, I, I remember being for levies, participating in those canvassing for those mm -hmm. not just the ones in Cleveland but also you know in Cleveland Heights just being a supporter that's me that's mm -hmm. who I am so what I would say to the Heights is that if you want somebody that is going to work very hard to help change your material conditions somebody who has a proven track record of getting that kind of stuff done even when I don't 100% agree with the person across the table it's not about agreement I am fighting for uh, life, liberty, and everybody's pursuit of happiness, whether that's Medicare for all, making sure people can unionize, uh, uh, making sure that uh, we increase the minimum wage to a living wage, starting with $15 an hour, that I am a bridge builder, a consensus builder. I have Democrats across the spectrum endorsing me from more mainline, moderate Democrats, look at my endorsements, all the way to people who are just as progressive as I am, both on the local and federal level. And so what that should say and give a surety to people who live in the Heights, that Sister Turner will build consensus and do what is in the best interest of the residents of our district. I'm gonna have the courage to ask for more. There are gonna be times where I fully agree uh, with the with the president, and I look forward to working with him. And there are gonna be times when I'm gonna say, Mr. President, I need I need we need to go a little further because Cleveland is the biggest poor city in the country right now. It's gonna be a time, uh, Mr. President, and Congress, I need you to go further because people in my district need need jobs. I am always gonna hold this district. It's my highest, my first, second, third, fourth, and fifth concern. Last thing, I want to circle back on how important is voter turnout gonna be in the next year even yeah, as we look at Rob Porton's seat uh, is going to be open right yes so if you have any dreams of voter turnout uh, what do we need we, we we're, we're in practice right now we need people to turn out and you know a lot of people are disengaged because their material conditions have not changed and that's another reason why I'm fighting so hard I will be able to bring a type of energy and synergy into 2022 can I do it by myself would never be never say that I can do it by myself but because I've been blessed to serve on a local state level ran statewide was able to run a national organization two presidential campaigns have built relationships with people all over this country I want to bring that and leverage that to be able to help Democrats do what I know we can do in 2022 and put us back to swing status. Because we ain't swinging no more, Adam. <laughs> we, we, we a little too, like, red uh, almost. Uh, but no, me. I, I'm We got to give Sherrod some help, right? Yeah, we so, do. Yes, um, we do. All right. Well, and the last thing I would just say to you on behalf of the people of Cleveland Heights, University Heights, is we've got major sewer problems. And as this infrastructure bill is, is, is wavering, we're all nervous about it now. We have a potentially a half a billion dollar sewer restructuring, as do many uh, inner-ring suburbs all over the country, really. But I try to push this out as an equity issue because you've got yes. all these inner-ring suburbs, beautiful Cleveland Heights, built up. It wasn't built by the people that live there now, right? right. So we've got to take some of that burden, I think, to fix these problems because we all want a clean Lake Erie, right? That's what all this is we all about. So. Uh, Every city's dealing with it differently, but I think moving forward, I think that we just need that federal uh, funding to focus some of that energy on, on fixing um, these sewer, sewer issues so that we have a clean lake. I understand the consent decree, and I'm 100% on the side of the people who live in Cleveland Heights and also in our, you know, in, in our region and in the state and also in the nation. We need a Green New Deal, and part of that Green New Deal has to be able to invest in infrastructure needs, sewers, 
you know, our streets, all of that. We got we to gotta have the money, and the federal government can do uh, just that. We do have to protect our lakes, and it is unfair for that burden, burden to be just on the residents. I think we need to have a wealth tax. Uh, you know, so we can pay for some of these beautiful and wonderful things, and we need to change the tax code and the tax status so that uh, people like the residents of Cleveland Heights are not paying more in federal taxes than somebody like, say, uh, Mr. Bezos. <laughs> yeah. On the moon. On the moon. Bezos on the moon. On the moon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. People are starving, but they, they vacationing on the moon. You know, in space. Yeah. I don't know how to make just said it to me moon, yesterday. It's I know. ridiculous. Well, uh, we. Um, we thank you for joining us Thanks on behalf of the people me. of Cleveland Heights University Heights. Uh, August third. August third. Right early there. voting has started. You can Adam. go and visit. You can go and vote at the at the board at of elections now downtown. Thirty thirtieth yeah. in Euclid. If you live okay. in Greater Cleveland and at the Summit County BOE, if you live right, our friends in Akron who who yeah. you represent in this crazy district. Absolutely. For now. For now, I know we don't know what's going to happen next know. time. But anyway, if that's we'll save the gerrymandering discussion for next time. Thank we you for joining will. us. Oh, thank you, Adam, for having me. Such a pleasure. Thank you.